Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person. So we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Ukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message. Fight my enemies This will end in victory 
Well, thanks so much for joining us today here at Active Online. My name's Lee. I'm so pumped to be with you. Love Mike and the team at Active and just so glad to be able to be a part of our online experience today. Well, on August 31st, 2013, Diane Nyad swam the 110 miles from Cuba to the coast of Florida. She had actually attempted this swim four times previously. Now, the first one was when she was only 28 years old, but strong winds blew her way off course and she was forced to quit. 33 years later, that's right, 33 years later, not one year later, at the age of 61, she attempted to swim it again, but an asthma attack forced her to quit. So then three months later, she attempted this swim for the third time, but she was stung so badly by a jellyfish on her neck and on her forearm that she actually went into respiratory distress. There's no way I'm doing that. I'm, I'm done. A box jellyfish sting generally kills you. It's the most deadly poison on planet Earth. In Nyad's case, when she was stung, her doctor that was in the boat nearby jumped in to administer medicine, and then he too got bit. She still refused to get out of the water and initially kept swimming. She only got out of the water the next day when she was stung again. One year later, you still tracking? At the age of 63, she attempted the swim for the fourth time. One massive storm and nine jellyfish stings later, she was again forced to quit. One year later, again, at the age of 64, she attempted to swim it for the fifth time. And on her fifth try, Diane Nyad became the first person to swim from Cuba to Florida, all 110 miles. And she's actually the only person to do it while not using a shark cage. Here's what, here's what she had to say. She said, I remember coming out of the water and seeing the faces of the crowd on the beach. So emotional. But I realized afterwards that they weren't weeping because someone had merely set some sports record. They were weeping because they saw someone who refused to give up. You know, we're all inspired when we hear or experience incredible stories like Nyad's. But the more relevant question for you and I is, will you personally refuse to give up? The question is, will you remain faithful even when the circumstances say to do something else. I mean, none of us are probably swimming across miles of open ocean, but we're all facing the challenging winds and the currents of life. So again, when you feel like quitting, will you give it another go? Will you give it another swim? Will you stay faithful? You see, we're in this series, What the World Needs Now, and how our actions and words are crucial, we're learning, in telling God's story to a world that desperately needs it. And a piece of that story is this word, faithfulness. Here's our passage we've been referring to in this series. It's found in Galatians. I'm actually going to read it today from the New Living Translation. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We've talked about these things already in this series. But today, faithfulness and then gentleness and self-control. Paul goes on to say, there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. You see... We're going to focus on faithfulness today, and faithfulness has many nuanced definitions, but at its heart, it's being true, devoted, and unwavering in our commitment to something. Now, the opposite of faithfulness is being unreliable, 
careless, irresponsible, and apathetic. Actually, in many cases, being unfaithful is simply this. It's quitting. Now, recently, I've been hearing the same statement more and more from people at this moment. With all of the heavy accumulation we felt of crisis and pain and stress and just the never-ending onslaught of challenges. They say it either in a, in a faint whisper or with a strange, loud, confident voice. But I hear them say the same thing. I hear them say these words, I'm just done. Adam Grant recently wrote an article in the New York Times where he described an emerging issue that's prevalent in our culture right now that he calls languishing. It's interesting because languishing is that space between what we know as depression, which is serious, and flourishing. But languishing is when you just feel meh. It's the middle not depressed, but you're not flourishing. You feel meh about everything and are tempted to just escape healthy activities and interaction. And Grant believes it will be the next big challenge as we emerge from this pandemic, that people will be tempted to not be faithful, to quit. And all throughout the narrative of scripture, we are introduced to individuals just like you and I who, are, who, who actually had to stay faithful when it would have been easier to just languish. Noah took 120 years to build an ark and get rain, faithful. Abraham was promised a child, that, and that child wasn't born until 25 years later, still faithful. The Israelites walked around the walls of Jericho for seven days before they fell, faithful. The three Hebrews in captivity stepped into a fiery furnace, faithful. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of the city of Jericho despite resistance, faithful. Now, my wife and I, we used to love watching the show Amazing Race. I think it's back on again. We often talked about going on the show, actually, and competing, but we never did. But one of the things that I always found interesting about the show was the way the producers would manipulate time and how the show actually cut out what was probably, what I believe, really the most challenging part of the journey. They would always show the contestants boarding an airplane, and maybe there was some drama around whether they would make the flight or not, but they seemed to miraculously always get on and then boom quick cut 18 hours later they would put on the screen they would land somewhere halfway around the world and the show would keep going has anyone ever been on an airplane on a flight for 18 hours it's not nothing now for the viewer for you and I it was a matter of seconds but in real life it was hours of just uneventful moving forward People committed to just the coming action that was going to happen when they opened that door that was in front of them. But it was just the ordinary, looking forward to what was ahead. Many of us might prefer that life work more like that. There's a challenge of frustration, a season that requires real faithfulness. And we would just love to move through it, get away from it, or just avoid it altogether. But instead, God calls us to be faithful. So maybe at this exact moment, you are convinced you just, you just can't keep doing this. You can't keep hearing about all this, experience this, feeling this. Maybe you've already taken the bait. You're feeling meh, or you're in the midst of already tapping out. If that's you today, let me speak into and over your life. I want you to know that God is not done with you yet. And at this moment where you think you are done, it may just be the moment where God is about to move. Now listen, I know it's easier to just to just quit that relationship, that job, that team, that church, and even on God. It's easier than it is to work through these moments and endure. 
One author describes moments that he calls quitting points. Talks about every marriage has a quitting point. When you have three kids under the age of six, you may, you may just want to be done. Or when your kids graduate and they move out, you become empty nesters. You're looking across the table at this individual. Now you may just want to be done. Every job has those quitting points, usually between years three and seven. Maybe you get bored or under-challenged or disillusioned with the role that you have or the organization. Every diet has quitting points. Usually the second day when the coworker brings the donuts to the break room, you rethink it and grab the glazed one. You need to know that your most significant accomplishments in life will often happen when you simply refuse to quit and remain faithful. So before you take the bait, let me give you an alternative. The Bible does have something to say about faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 12, here's what the author writes in verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to our life of faith. Now, let's stop there. Let, let's be clear, first of all. People who run are annoying. And I'm a runner, and I know I'm annoying. We talk about our runs. But if you've ever signed up for a race of some sort, maybe a 5K, a half marathon, there's normally some degree of training involved, or at least it would be recommended. And this is the part that's less than exciting because you're forced to get up day after day, logging miles up and down sidewalks, often in less than ideal weather. It's not exciting. It's not thrilling. It's painful and lonely. And it's tough to be faithful to that training. But, but then you get to race and everything changes. What is the difference? The crowd, the crowd of witnesses. Now, last year, was the year that everybody knows as the year of cancellation. So if you were a runner that liked to run races, different races during that time, all of them, all of that was canceled. Instead, runners, runners were given the option to run a virtual race. I mean, just like everything else, you, you sign up, they send you your bib, you complete the race, and you receive a medal. I mean, it seems like a reasonable substitute considering the circumstances. However, let me tell you, having done it, it's not the same. Why? Because what's missing? The crowd. A few years ago, my wife and I got the privilege to run the New York City Marathon, 26.2 miles through five boroughs of New York City. See, I told you, runners are annoying. They talk about their runs. But I want to tell you about mile 16, because at mile 16, you run across the Queensboro Bridge. You're running from Queens back into Manhattan. And it's one of the only points of the race that is run in absolute silence. It's just runners. There's no fans. This is after two or three hours of running, and you've been hearing encouragement all now you hear as you run across this bridge is the sound of other runners' feet hitting the pavement and they're breathing and it's a mile across and it's amazing and it's eerie and freaky. But then something happens. You take a right turn onto First Avenue. You've seen First Avenue. It's where they take the ticker tape when a team wins and they rain it down. And you take this right turn and you are literally physically hit with a wave of volume and energy like nothing I've ever experienced before. There are crowds of people standing 20 to 50 deep, screaming at the top of their lungs at complete strangers. They're holding creative signs. They're banging cowbells. They're yelling at you to keep going. You've got this. Don't stop. Be faithful. The crowd pushing you forward. So, so my question for you, the question of Hebrews is this, does the crowd of people that you run with, do they encourage you? Do they build you up? Do they, do they help you run the race that God has set before you? 
Do, do their voices in your life scream, keep going, bear fruit, stay faithful, or do they pull you in a different direction? Does their influence and their presence keep you moving forward, or are they continually pulling you back? So ask the question, who's your crowd? Verse one, second part goes on and says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Now, this imagery would have really resonated with that first century listener because when this letter was written, they actually had Olympic style races. But when the men would run in these races, right before they ran, they would literally take off all of their clothes. They would take off their robes, their belt, their sandals, because you can imagine running with all of that, you ever try to run in a robe would hinder your pro progress. Now, I'm not planning on running any race naked anytime soon. I don't anticipate that ever being a thing. However, if that ever happens, let me tell you something. I am going to win. I'm not coming in second. I'm not following anyone. I don't know what the people behind me are going to be looking at, but at least I know my eyes are going to be laser focused on the finish line. That's it. And that is, that, that's the imagery that the author of Hebrews is giving here. Strip off, put off anything that's going to hinder your progress, slow you down, or cause you to ultimately be done. Again, what is that for you? What is it that's hindering your growth, your progress, your faithfulness? Susan Larson in the book, Fully Alive, includes this incredible prayer that says this, Lord, show me what masters me and slows me down. Lord, show me what masters me and slows me down. That is a prayer. Lord, show me what controls me and slows me. Then she goes on and says, Help me to lose my taste for that which weakens me and acquire a taste for that which strengthens me. What if we prayed a prayer like that on a consistent basis? Isn't it amazing how we often we have a desire to look at something or experience something or take hold of something in our lives that actually weakens us, that actually makes us less faithful? That's the real definition, definition of bait, isn't it? And we know that it's going to slow us down and weaken us, but so often we do it anyway. We do it anyway. What if we could take off whatever would hinder our faithfulness? A few weeks ago, I was late at night, arrived in a city after a long flight and was hungry, and I ended up in the late night Taco Bell drive through I know it was a mistake. Have you ever made this mistake before? Because I thought it sounded good. I hadn't had it for years and years and years. And I get in line and I order a taco and a burrito and it costs like $4.32. And I thought it was going to be great. And I get it back to my hotel room and I open it up and it's terrible. It's unedible. I mean, you go back to something like you used to like and then you discover it's terrible. And it's probably been terrible the whole time. But I know this, my taste had changed. And the same principle can happen spiritually as well. You can either develop new spiritual habits and tastes that will lead you forward and build faithfulness in your life or choose poorly and risk languishing, ultimately being slowed down. Which brings us to the key verse today. It's a verse you probably should memorize. It's the last part of verse one. It says this, let us run with endurance. Substitute the word faithfulness. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And you say, Lee, it's great, but how do we do that? Let me give you two thoughts before we close today. Thought number one is this. You can be faithful. You can handle your now when you know what is next. If you can handle your now 
when you know what is next, it'll allow you to be faithful. You can handle whatever circumstances you're dealing with when you know what's next. I mean, look at the next thought here. It says in verse two, we do this by keeping or fixing our eyes on Jesus who initiates and perfects our faith. For, for some of us, maybe our lives are so fixed on our problems, our challenges and our current circumstances that Jesus is just a blurry figure out of focus, not on our radar that often, except for maybe when we go to church and sometimes we always think that the solution to our problems is still out there somewhere. It's maybe in a different marriage or a different relationship. Maybe you're so sick of this marriage. He changed or she changed. And you think the answer to the problems is out there somewhere else. But what if what you are looking for is exactly where you are? What if it's in the enduring, in the being faithful? It says, let us run with our eyes fixed on Jesus because, because of the joy awaiting him, he, as our example, endured the cross. Now listen, Jesus really wanted to avoid the cross, to be done. He wasn't, he wasn't acting or pretending. It was real. He did not want to experience that pain that was about to be put on him. He was, he was literally sweating blood, which is actually possible. You can get to the point in your life where the strain is so great that the blood begins to come out of your sweat glands. But Jesus moved forward. He was faithful to the purpose God had called him to. He endured the cross because of what was next. He knew he could deal with the crucifixion because the resurrection was coming. Jesus could handle his now because he knew what was next. For some of us, there is a fresh start right around the corner. You can handle your now because you know what is next. Later in Galatians, Paul will tell that church there, let us not become weary in doing good. Now for some of you, sometimes being good and doing good and wanting good, if you're honest, it gets tiring. Some of you are actually about ready to take the bait and tap out because you've been faithful for so long, doing good for so long, and now you're just tired. You're over it. You look around and there's a lot of not, there's a lot of not good happening, and you're just tired. I get it. But Paul says, don't become weary, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we're faithful. Here's the deal. Every time I know more running Every time I run a marathon, I'm always tricked into the feeling I'm doing good. Because they say in a marathon that the halfway point is not 13 miles, which you would think it was, but actually 20 miles. Because it's that last six miles that tests everyone. And the challenge is, is that you've trained and prepared. And that first 20 feels like you're just killing it. You feel good. You feel surprisingly good. Mile markers are flying by. You're moving along. You're passing people. And the thought begins to enter your mind. This isn't that big of a deal. I'm killing this. But for me, it happens literally every time. Then mile 21 comes. And all of a sudden, your legs locked up. And your mind goes fuzzy and you're about done. It's painful. It's lonely. It's filled with regret. Why do I do this to myself? And what's interesting is that that moment, it's less really about your legs and more about your thoughts and your perspective and your commitment and your grit. But when you turn on to that last mile, mile left, you know that you're near the finish line. Sure, everything seems to slow down and the destination seems like it may never come, but the feeling of elation when you hit that line is unbelievable. When you finish, when you are faithful, that feeling when you know you've endured, when you know you've remained faithful, you know that you've kept going would have, would have been easier to quit. You kept swimming, you kept running, you kept working, you kept loving, kept believing, kept hoping, kept showing up. You just kept going. 
you stayed faithful when quitting would have been way easier. So you can handle your now when you know what's next. And secondly, our faithfulness begins where God's faithfulness extends. We have so many examples of our lives, all of us of God's faithfulness, all the moments where he showed up big and small, all those are the catalysts we need to remain faithful and to produce that fruit in our life. Because if we're in one of those moments, we just pull ourselves up to high enough to really gain true perspective, to recall the big picture. Listen, faithfulness does not mean you necessarily always have great faith. You can be faithful and still struggle with faith. Faithfulness is you merely saying, I'm going to stick with God, even though I have all these doubts and uncertainty. It reminds me of Mother Teresa, now known as St. Teresa of Calcutta. We think of her as someone who was supremely faithful, but it was actually in spite of her faith struggles. Come Be My Light was her memoir, and in her book, it notes all the ways in which she struggled with her faith. She wrote these words at the beginning of her ministry way back in 1953. Here's, here's what she wrote. Please pray, especially for me, that I may not spoil God's work and that our Lord may show himself. For there is such a terrible darkness within me as if everything was dead. It has been like this more or less since I started this work. Here's Mother Teresa, not feeling it. But yet year after year, decade after decade, she was still faithful to God, still showing up, still working diligently, still making an impact. Faithfulness is, I'm going to stick with God when everything inside of me says, stop and give up. Jeff Mannion said it this way, sometimes the greatest impact in moments of our life will simply happen because we stayed. And I think about active and I think about your pastor, Mike, and your staff. And during this last year and a half of COVID and the need to be faithful for you as a church and as a congregation and the many, many hundreds of needs that were met there in your community and the establishment of outreach and dollar club and the fact that you have just continued in the midst of this crisis to be faithful. And FYI, if, you, if you've yet to jump in and participate both physically and financially, let me strongly encourage you to do so. It, it, it's such an invitation to be a part at Active Church and what's happening. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to just observe it. You want to be faithful in the giving of yourself and your time and your energy and your finances. Jump in. Because we tend to celebrate beginnings. And yet, as we've learned at Active, we never want to underestimate consistency and longevity in our life. I mean, during COVID, we stayed. Your leadership stayed. You stayed. We're glad we did. And we're confident what's next, what is next will be greater than where we have been. So listen, let's stay faithful. The world is watching. Let's back away from the trap and fix our eyes on Jesus, trusting him to be alongside us as the crowds cheer us on so that we will finish well. Let's pray today, wherever you're watching from. Father, we thank you for your spirit that guides us and directs us, your strength. God, I ask for those that today are struggling, ready to just tap out, give up. The challenges are great. And God, I pray that you would bring strength and peace and healing. Those challenges are real. But God, we also pray that that fruit of faithfulness, the, the, the confidence that you are with us, would continue to drive us and guide us and lead us. God, speak to us. God, show us your faithfulness, even as we are faithful to you. That's our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Active Church. We hope today you were changed or challenged in some way as we talked about faithfulness. And we hope you took that one step in your journey to tell a better story with God. Yes, and right now we wanna share with you yeah. our Dollar Club moment. Yes. Our Dollar Club is such an incredible thing to be a part of. We ask that you join us in giving a dollar above your active giving. And hey, if you're not giving at all, start with a dollar. Start with being a part of these better stories. But we want to share this with you, so check out the screen. We work with homeless runaway and at-risk youth. We have kids that um, need food, and yeah. so uh, we never give money, yeah. but we will always pass it, you know, have something in our pocket or whatever to be able to feed our kids or give them water or, because wow. um, how can you survive? Yeah. How many you know? students are you connected with in Redlands? Oh my goodness, we probably average 80 a day. 80 a day. Uh -huh. And these are 80 different students, or these are 80 the same students? No, these are different kids every day. Uh -huh. um, some are the same we'll see each day. Yeah. But since we started Youth Hope in 2009, we've seen over 4,000 different kids in this area. In this area. And this is, is are they all from Redlands? Or are no. They all, no. No, there's Loma Linda, there's Minton, there's Yukaipa, there's Cherry Valley, um, a few from Riverside. Yeah. But we don't care. Yeah. It's just who's here and who needs, you know, who's it's, hungry. Who's youth. Yeah. It's literally whoever is needing help. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. She is awesome. It's our first time meeting, actually. We've never met. We just talked on the phone before. This is going to be a really cool thing, though. I'm really excited. She has no clue what's coming. It's, it's crazy to think that there's an abandoned mall in Redlands. <laughs> I, it always blows my mind. <laughs> this is where I spent a solid year. Um, rolling up because security couldn't get them out of here and this is where it was all happening and um, you know kind of here in front of CVS in this area and we just um, you know would sit down and chit chat with the kids and hang out and bring granola bars and blankets and you know sh you know socks and belt and I you know at that point it's all I had you know it's just like what do you guys need and and as we're building that relationship, I started, the chief started opening doors where I could say, hey, I need medical. Hey, anybody, I've got a kiddo that needs dentist. You know, what's going on? You know, does anybody um, know if anybody that has glass, you know, can help us with glasses? Because we had this one young man, he goes, Heidi, I can get a job if I can see, but I can't even read the McDonald's board because I ran him up to McDonald's. We went and got him glasses, and the first thing he said so was... So you were meeting needs that first year. You hear a need, you hear a story, and you would meet that need. Yeah, the best that we can. You know, and as I tell the kids, my yes is my yes, my no is my no, guys. I might be wrong, but I'm not going to tell you any lies. I am here to do my best, yeah. and, um, and I do this for free. Yeah. I always have, and I, you know, it's my passion because my main goal is that they can see Christ through us. You know, I want them to see Jesus. And the kids would climb in my car and they go, whoop, Hardy's Jesus, Jesus songs are on. <laughs> you know, it's like, yep, <laughs> you know. Um, but they need to know who our Lord is. And, and they have had so much negative trauma and all sorts of horrible stuff. I can tell you story after story after story after story of, you know, a mom with her young son had heroin, mom's a heroin addict, tells her son, um, giving your arm and look the other way, and he's going, "Why, mom?" Because he's an all active little boy. And she said, "It's none of your business. Look the other way." And as he does it, she shoots up heroin in his arm to see if it's bad because she didn't want to die, but she didn't care if her son died. We as a society 
need to quit talking mm. and we need to listen. We've got to listen. You know? Why? Why is somebody so angry? Why is somebody so broken? Why is somebody so filthy? Or they're they're so they're mad they're all they do is say the F words, yeah, you know? Yeah. Why? Yeah. There is reasons behind yeah. every single one There's of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, and that's what I started realizing as we we're going down this journey. Okay, I wasn't sure if we were just allowed it. For three years, they've worked tirelessly on this place, but they've donated their time and their energy. And what it is now, it's like a safe haven. To go from an abandoned building to being a safe haven, that's incredible. Isn't that neat? Yeah. It's amazing. And, I know. And I just want to say, like, our church is, is beyond, um, we're beyond thankful for people like you. We, we believe in telling better stories. Um, and we believe that Jesus is always pulling us into a better story. No matter how good your story is, no matter how broken your story is, it can always get better. And you were on the front lines of telling better stories. Like you are in the weeds, you are in, in the stories, and you're pulling them into the next level because God's working through you. And we're just so thankful for you. Um, but we're so thankful and we want to partner with you in some small way. It, it, it might be simple. Um, how, does, how does this sound? We have something called the Dollar Club here at Active Church. And what we do is we ask everybody to give one dollar above what they normally give. Cool. And so recently, we asked our community to do that, and they responded in a big way. And would it be all right if I give you a check for five thousand dollars to do what Absolutely. you hope does best? It's super cool. And to tell better stories. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. This is a this is super cool. Thank you. I I don't know how to process everything I just learned. Uh, I feel shaky inside. Like, there was so much that I learned about our city. There's so much I learned about helping and being thoughtful and being aware. But what I can say is that youth hope is the real deal. It's telling better stories. And I'm so thankful. We have such a powerful community that is so generous that we're able to support people like Heidi and like the people of Youth Hope we're really changing kids' lives forever. So thank you, Active, for being a part of this giving story. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Hey, I want to ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I want to invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to at Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.